Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going back. New week at the call-up, and we are kicking it off with the top 14 prospects in baseball as we wrap up this top 100 list. Of course, it was going to finish on a bizarre random number because that's what we do on this show. We go too long and then adjust accordingly. But top 14 prospects in baseball, I'm Arm Layton. He's Jack McMullen, and I know we're, we're excited to get to these top, top, top names. I also want to talk a little bit about the ball, the baseball that they are using in the Southern League and how it is distorting the data that we are regurgitating to you guys and why we want to try to halt the misinformation around Southern League pitching data and a little bit more on the backstory on that. I'm going to be doing a lot more digging and potentially writing a feature piece on this for just baseball.com. But Jack, you don't have to use the BS baseballs in, in AAA. You don't have to worry about that over there in Indy. Uh, but most importantly, very excited to unpack these 14 prospects as well. A hundred percent. And we're all about debunking fake news at just baseball. So mm-hmm. you you getting to those tacky baseballs, that's going to be huge. We're going to get into that. We, we try to do like as many prospects as we can in an hour. And usually yeah. that was 15. And then we were thinking, hey, we'll do 10 through one. But then we went really long uh, on this last grouping. So now we've got 14 to one. So technically... I think the top 15 prospects in the game, like if, if my count is right, but uh, we're giving you a, a not round number. It's going to be good regardless. Yeah, no, very, very excited about that. And so we'll, we'll start before we get to, which will be Jackson Merrill at number 14, which is great timing actually, because I don't know where I just stuck the card. Of course, I just picked up my Jackson Merrill, uh, I finally made the splash. Got a Jackson Merrill Bowman Chrome Auto out of 75. Pretty pumped wow. about that one. Uh, big splash for me. Uh, Going to hold on to that one for a little bit. He's off to a bit of a slow start. We'll talk about him a little bit more. And I'll well, and you know, and you know he's going to be traded for a starting pitcher at the deadline. So Yes, yes, to a team that's going to start him very soon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I, that's the thing we'll talk about in a second. But starting with the, with the tact baseball, some may not know about this, but, you know, Baseball, Major League Baseball, likes to use the minor leagues as basically their lab rats uh, for lack of – actually, no, for no lack of a better term. Uh, They literally use them as lab rats, and it's annoying. But I understand the the part of it where it's like, okay, well, where are you going to test some of these things out? But when it's this extreme – Sorry, what you say? Like the Indian League. League. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Try them all out there. These are guys that are trying to, you know, make it. You know, these are their careers. I don't know if the ball is making that much of a difference, but it is making a big difference. Um, there's a couple really interesting case studies around it. 
there's there's some people that have kind of highlighted that a little bit. Uh, I know Lance. I'm really bad with last names that that you know have a lot of consonants in them or not. Like I don't know. How do you pronounce Lance and Mar- Watch Marquee? I think it's Brozdowski. Brozdowski. He does some great stuff. Uh, former drive on guy, I believe. Uh, definitely knows his stuff when it comes to pitch data. He specifically highlighted Andrew Abbott, and it was funny because it was right around the time that I was reaching out to a couple people, asking them what the deal was in the Southern League with you know what they're seeing from some of these pitchers and things like that. Pre-tax baseball, kind of a test to see you know if you can fully eliminate rosin, eliminate all of this gray area stuff, and just give a baseball that you say, hey, you have no excuse. This is enough grip. Just use that. That's all you need. It seems like it has too much grip. And Lance highlighted this uh, with with Andrew Abbott specifically. We were talking about the jump and induced vertical break with Abbott and kind of how it was mind numbing, how he was able to jump so much. But we also figured maybe he went to a pitch lab. Maybe he he adjusted some things. Um, he has had a slight uptick in velocity. So that that has nothing to do with the baseball. But what was interesting is as Abbott made his first start in AAA back to the regular baseballs, his induced vertical break dropped right back down to about 16, 17 inches. His spin rates dropped right back down to where they were last year. Still up a half tick or so or, or a tick on the fastball, but the spin rates and the induced vertical break, which means the life on the fastball, were down. I think that's really interesting. So you have uh, – that's one That's one player, though. We're going to have Ben Brown to look at now, too. Yep. We're going to have a lot more – of a sample when players get promoted from high Ave and go to double. And when guys get promoted from double to triple, but remember it has to be the Southern league specifically. Um, I think what Lance highlighted here w- was important with Abbott because this was a guy that we saw a massive uptick and now it kind of takes a step back. Um, and I've talked to some hitters who have said, yeah, I mean, there's guys that we faced last year that have way more horizontal, way more vertical movement. Um, it's different. It's patently different. And I think that's really fascinating because it's going to skew some stuff on pitchers. And also it's resulting in a lot more strikeouts for hitters. 29.4% K rate in the early going here in the Southern League. That's kind of bullshit. So uh, I feel for these hitters right now. I do. Yeah, you can eliminate the word kind of like that's true bullshit for these double A hitters who are trying to advance. Trying Like this tacked ball, this experiment is screwing with double a hitters livelihoods which sucks um 29 k rate that you mentioned 29.4 to be exact i think league average in major league baseball is right around 22 yeah. so that's seven percent higher seven percent is no fluke like that's not oh you know bad crop of hitters or like great crop of pitchers in double a no th- this is like something that the baseball has a play on and and I don't want to compare it to blitz ball, but that's like kind of what's going on right now, right? These balls are just like flying out of these guys' hands and they're spinning like crazy and they're like, they're gravity defying. A four seam fastball is gravity defying in the Southern League and then they go up to the International League and it's their normal fastball again. So I think we're being duped, hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray um, by, by this data right now. But I mean, man, like I want to buy the jump in Andrew Abbott. I want to buy the jump in Ben Brown. I don't want to negate it entirely. But no, it's no, tough. no. I, and I don't think it negates what they're doing. Like at the end of the day, you still got to get outs and you still got to be impressive. And both those guys, like again, Abbott's on uptick in, in fastball velocity by around a mile per hour. That's still going to make a big difference. And um, the, the shape might be better. It seems like, and I want to kind of get like that, 
that margin for error or like the, the change that you have to account for here. I think it's roughly an inch or two of induced vertical break. So even then, I think Abbott has still seen his stuff tick up and the, the shape tick up a little bit overall. I'm looking at like Patrick Monteverde, which is a perfect example, left-hander in the Marlin system, who's off to one of the best starts uh, in all of the minor leagues this year. He's in the Southern League. Lefty, crafty, 89 to 91, feel for several pitches. Uh, but we've seen his induced vertical break jump by about an inch. Uh, he's also just commanding the heck out of his stuff. He's on his fastball for a strike like 80% of the time. So he's just he's just pounding the strike zone. But I think it's also allowing guys to have a little bit more feel to spin it, a little bit more feel overall with the command, which is a good thing, but also makes it extremely difficult. So I just wanted to mention this, highlight it. We don't have – we haven't debunked it yet. We haven't – you know, we, I don't have a hypothesis. Um, I just – we're highlighting a couple red flags, and we are letting you know – that this is happening and that we are going to find out more. Um, that's about it right now. That's all I got. I'm really looking forward to Ben Brown's first start in AAA. That's another 19 and a half inch IVB guy this, this year so far. Uh, that fastball will play tack or not, but I am interested to see the data there because we know every inch of induced vertical break makes a big difference. So uh, very interested to see that. We will be following that and we will have more information on the Southern League pre-tacked baseballs as we get it but just wanted to put that on your radar don't use it to nullify good performances but it is just something to monitor and to take some things with a grain of salt uh just just to kind of figure out and add a little bit more context there for sure let's move into the top 15 top 14 prospects actually in major league baseball and that'll start us right here with jackson merrill shortstop san diego padres and there's a few things that I think contribute to the ascension of Jackson Merrill. And there's there's one thing that I've kind of picked up on on the industry, which is if an organization and this is kind of like, duh, but when an organization loves a player, like really, really loves him, they say the same thing to everybody. They say the same like almost prepared line of like, Oh, he is such a good kid, a hard worker. He did this and this and this and whatever. And you see those guys shoot up. And when they have the first round pedigree and they're that shortstop, it seems to just come together even more. We saw Jackson Holiday just fly up the rankings before really ever doing much. Yeah. Um, and it was one thing like right when he was drafted, but then even the short cameo and just what he had just been, been being around the big league team, we saw him fly. Uh, Jackson Merrill Played 45 games, put up impressive numbers in low A. But we saw him just continue to rise and rise and rise and rise while he was like on the IL. Um, and I think it was because of that narrative that was being perpetuated. What I can say is that the, the narrative is, is very valid. Uh, we'll get into the baseball player, but I went out to the Arizona Fall League. I watched this guy get after it. He was getting after it before and after, uh, working hard on his defense, working hard on his bat, talking to coaches, just you can see the difference in demeanor with Jackson Merrill. Uh, you can see the way he goes about his stuff. Got a chance to talk to him for about five, 10 minutes. I, obviously, I'm not going to make a sweeping judgment on a dude in five to 10 minutes. No, but you man, should. I, you love him or you hate him? I loved him. I, <laughs> I loved everything he was saying. I, 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 I thought he was super, super well-spoken. Remember, this is a guy that's 19 years old. Uh, yeah. Maybe he just turned 20. Um like wise beyond his years, really good head on his shoulders, answered all of the questions 
really thoughtfully, and I liked what we got from him answers-wise. You can go check out a snippet of that conversation uh, way back and uh, I believe about 20 episodes back uh, from the Arizona Fall League extent of things. Uh, but beyond the baseball player, which is a really damn good player, right. I see why he is rising up so much on the intangible side. Yes. Um, the intangible side, like y- you need that first person interaction with him. Y- you need that firsthand experience to, to get the t- intangible side, because like, you know, there are guys that earn really high points for their makeup. Um, there are also guys that organizations want to put on a pedestal yes. um, because they want to see them rise in organization ranks around the industry because they like them. Tyler um, Freeman. <laughs> hey, man, Tyler Freeman's in like 340 so far. Um, but Merrill, I think, is a guy where it's like regardless of who interacts with him, he's going to be, you know, somebody that like passes the character test with flying colors. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of same thing with Quinn Priester. I, w- I was talking about Priester last time, right? Like y- you hear all the high grades for the makeup, you meet him and you walk away and it's like, OK, I get it now. Like Holiday, it kind of seems like the same thing with the interviews that I watched as well. But Merrill's kind of cut from a different cloth because he's just so ridiculously talented as well. And the fact that you've got a ridiculously talented high school first round pick from 2021, that eager to get better, that bodes really well for this guy. And and at the end of the day, it's all got to come together on the field and and in the early going this year, he's struggled. But what I take from the struggles is that he is not overmatched. He is not, you know, looking lost. He's just kind of learning and feeling it out as a guy that turned 20 years old 12 days ago. Happy belated, Jackson. Yeah. Um, he's played 17 games in high A. He's hitting a buck 77. Yeah. That, that's unfortunate to start the year, but he's striking out 13% of the time. He's walking 9% of the time. And, uh, you know, he's, he's still looks all right. Like, I'm not seeing a guy get blown up in these at bats. What stands out the most to me with Merrill is you see the physical projection. He's 6'3, about a 190 now he continues to put on muscle but as he's put on muscle he's also been faster so similar to like we saw some guys they put on weight and we assume they're going to slow down not always the case we saw that with j-rod got stronger and faster merrill is getting stronger and faster uh the defense has continued to get better at shortstop watching him get his work there was was really uh really cool to see what he was doing and then you're seeing it translate into games but what stands out the most to me is a lot of the reasons why we like colson montgomery right right around the 90% zone contact with the power projection. That's what Merrill's got, but with better tools across the board. Last year, I believe he was right around 90% zone contact. Um, I think it was 89% if you factored in the fall league and that low A stint of 45 games, while also flashing exciting power, 103 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity. And I think he hit balls as hard as 110. That was as a 19 year old out of high school uh, in low A. And then so far this year, Slow start, but still 90% zone contact. So it's not like he's getting blown up. It's not like he's whiffing an egregious amount. Um, I see the potential for plus hit plus power uh, as a left-handed hitting shortstop with above average speed. Like this is a dude that if he puts it all together in games, you know, and starts hitting a bit more, his upside could be top prospect in baseball by the time he gets to, to the big leagues or by the time he graduates. For sure. And I love the point that you bring up in regards to the K rate, because it just seems like this guy's been pretty unlucky. Like the bounces mm-hmm. are not going his way, like 13% K rate. You'd think if Merrill was hitting under a buck 80, he'd be punching out left and right. 
Not the yeah, case. you think he'd be getting blown up. Yeah, like not the case. And, and I got to talk to my buddy John Nolan about that too. I because he's been watching him every day. So uh, I'll talk to John and get like his idea on why Merrill's struggling. But um, just based on like looking at the numbers, I would think okay, this guy's punched out twenty times in fifteen games, whatever. He's punched out nine times, <laughs> sixty nine plate appearances. Like, yeah, I'm not worried about it. no. He's not chasing too much. He, again, the contact, it's 90% zone contact right now. Um, it seems like a little bit too much weak contact. Um, average exit velocity is down. Small, small sample. But to me, it's just, hey, guys adjusting. Maybe a few more pitches are getting in on his hands. A few more are off the end because the changeups are a little better. Uh, he'll get there. But Merrill is somebody that once he gets rolling, he's going to get rolling. Uh, and, and I see everything that everyone else sees I see everything that the Padres are are putting out there and I think there was a concerted effort to withhold him in those Juan Soto talks like okay if you're gonna get James Wood you're not getting Merrill kind of thing Uh, I don't know that's no sources but I don't think it was like the Nationals didn't want Merrill I know the Nationals wanted Merrill I've I've read and heard plenty about that Um, I I think that there was a level of hey you're getting all these guys you're not getting Merrill Um, and I I can appreciate that especially from an AJ Preller Yes, 100%. We move on to number 13, Ricky Tiedemann, who is now the best left-handed pitching prospect in baseball. Um, you know, some of that is because of the slow start from a Kyle Harrison, but I'd like to say more of it is because it was before the season even started, right, uh, that we had Tiedemann ahead of Harrison. A lot of it is because Tiedemann is six foot four, 215 pounds, can touch 99 to flirt with triple digits, and has a nasty slider and changeup. Um, this dude's three pitch mix could be front line. His fastball could be one of the best left handed fastballs we could see, but he's kind of cut from the same cloth as Kyle Harrison. Great stuff, inconsistent command, and we really haven't seen him stretched out. And it's kind of been the same story this year. He's made three starts in double A. Three innings, three and two thirds, two and a third, and the last one was was the worst that we've seen so far. Four earned runs, four walks. Um, the first start of the year was comical. Yeah. Three innings, two hits, no runs, nine Ks. He struck out every single out, and I think that's a testament to what this guy can do. Um, but the command, like I, going into this year, I thought it was pretty solid overall. I had fifty with the fifty five future. It's kind of regressed a bit in double A now to more of a 45 present at best. Um, but it's more about the stretching out thing. I, I, I just want to see this guy stretched out, but he's had some some arm discomfort a little bit here and there. And I think they want to be very careful with their 20 year old, you know, crown jewel left handed pitching prospect. That's the thing. Like he was he was speed running minor league baseball last year. It's OK if he hits a little blip. Like mm-hmm. it, it's fine if this happens to Ricky Tiedemann. You mentioned he's 20 years old in double A. He's four and a half years younger than the average pitcher in double A. Um, in terms of industry consensus on Tiedemann, you are one of two or one of three to have him in the top 30. Baseball America has him at 31. Pipeline has him at 32. Um, Fangraphs has him at 24. The only other publication <laughs> to have Ricky Tiedemann in the top 20 is, drum roll please, Baseball prospectus. <laughs> they had you him at 15. You got they had him at 15. You're the high man at 13. I will say, I'm a like, it's a little nerve wracking in the regard of like, 
you know, if I had like I, I don't really care if it, if I'm a little high on him, obviously, but like it's it's a little nerve wracking in the sense that like you can't stretch him out yet. Uh, when, yeah, but can I tell when, you why he shouldn't be nerve wracking? Because he all lefty with three plus pitches. Yeah, like two plus 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 pitches, like yeah. two like yeah. amazing pitches that yeah. one plus pitch. The other reason is this guy is a soft contact extraordinaire. Obviously, you can look at the 13 Ks per nine, um, but I also want you looking at what he did in terms of like hit prevention. Like between low A, high A, and double as a 19 year old pitcher, he was four and a half hits per nine. Like opponents yeah. did not square him up ever. Three homers, he faced 301 guys. That's a yeah. 1% home run rate. Come yeah, on. I mean, it, that that's the crazy part is, so you have the big strikeout numbers. He struck out, what, 39% of batters last year? Yeah. 49% ground ball rate, too. Like That's a strong ground ball rate for a guy that likes to buzz the fastball up. And he's a um, big likes, dude, man. He likes to overpower you but gets ground balls. Like That is really, really, really good stuff because – it allows you to keep the pitch count shorter. It allows you to get outs and get out of jams. And um, you look at the BABIP last year, uh, you know, people could point to that and say, oh, it was lucky. I think the low BABIP 265 opponent, you know, batting average on Boston play is a testament to what you were talking about. The, the weak contact generally on the ground. Um, so far this year, he's striking out 50% of batters. No one's hitting him. Uh, his biggest, you know, competition is, is himself. And, and I think he's going to you know, continue to work through that. Again, you're, you're going to have a couple high walk outings from time to time. I still think the command overall is average or better. Um, I still think above average. You look at the spurts last year, there was, there were stretches where it was really, really good. Uh, but when you have that three pitch mix, that athleticism, and he's six, four, 220 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's going to be very, very, very good if it all comes together. But what I love is the floor is like wipe out, wipe out back end reliever, like Josh Hader ask, but I, I really don't. I really don't think that happens. I think he's athletic enough and talented enough to, especially with the ground balls, to be a frontline starter. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him go deeper and to start, hopefully, as the year goes on. But I understand every reason to be careful with this guy. He's still kind of far away, um, and he's only 20. But what a special talent. Former third-round pick. Yeah, he also has absolutely sick forearm tats. Oh, yeah. So sick. Which is very big. That's why we're the high guys on him. Yeah. Next up, and we got a gif for him or a GIF number 12, Jordan Lawler shortstop Arizona diamondbacks. This dude is just so fun. He's electrifying Um, ridiculous speed. Great defender. The one area that we've talked about where the power like is the power. Like I was expecting that to be, you know, a little bit more impactful out of high school, Uh, but he's taken advantage of his environments. He's hit plenty of home runs. I don't know if it's totally going to translate at the highest level to anything more than, you know, slightly above average power, but that's fine. Uh, the chase rates are low. There's a little bit of whiff there, but he, again, he hedges that with the low chase rates. He does a good job of hitting the ball in the air, but it's really the speed, the defense, and you know, just the all around ability. Uh, he's going to be a menace on the base paths. It's really about, you know, how much power he's going to consistently hit for. But other than that, he, you could already see a good enough profile where this 20-year-old is going to be a very big part of the Diamondbacks' future. Was there more swing and miss last year than you were expecting? Uh, like, you know, he was challenged last year. So 
I would say maybe slightly, mm-hmm. but like they, they challenged him. Like he had some, he got pushed. Um, and I thought he, you know, handled it pretty well. I yeah. think there was always going to be some swing and miss with Lawler. Like, I think that was always expected. I just thought there'd be more power with that. You know, if you're going to be a 78% zone contact guy, I'd assume that you're hitting the ball a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, and that's the one thing with him is, yeah, he, he does lift the ball more now. And, and when he does get it in the air, it does carry. But when you look at the exit velocities there, you know, they're, above average average like 90th percentile exit velocity of 101 like that's even slightly below um yeah that might not translate in in all environments to 20 home run power yeah and arizona may be the most power friendly organization to come up in and and you would think you would think maybe colorado but hartford like I, i'm not saying Hartford's hartford the years yeah i'm not saying it's like you know the everglades in terms of humidity but like hartford is you know you go from Spokane, you go from a couple other spots before that, and then you go back to Albuquerque, and it's crazy. Um, you go Visalia, Hillsboro, Amarillo, Reno. All four of those are incredibly hitter-friendly environments. And then you get to Chase Field, which is a hitter-friendly environment. Like the air is thin, regardless of if the the door or if the roof is open or closed. Um, Lawler, the thing that I fell in love with with Zach Veen a couple of years ago was in his first full season, Veen was 300, 400, 500. Yeah. Lawler last year, 303, 401, 509. Yeah. Push my chips in on that, man, especially with like the defense that he can play and the speed that he brings in the base paths. And that's that's the name of the game there. And I think he's going to continue to grow into a little bit more power, 6'2", 190, um, super twitchy. So I think that power can get to above average. I, I did expect the hit tool to be a little bit, further along because his swing is pretty simple but again he's been challenged and he's held his own you just mentioned the slash line and then even so far this year it's a challenging assignment um to be 20 years old and now you know continue to, to play in double a and he, he's done pretty well I, I think he's done pretty well overall all things considered batting average a little low ops is still solid uh walk rate is high uh he's a patient hitter and i think that's going to really help him so even if the hit tool is more fringy than above average uh, I think the power is still going to be above average. The, the, the speed is going to be is going to be there, um, and the defense is going to be there. It's a really fun profile. If the bat to ball skills can be closer to that fifty five future that we put on him, um, now you're looking at a guy that could be one of the more dynamic shortstops in the game. So I'm excited to see how he develops. This is a, a big year to kind of understand what his profile is going to be because there's kind of a a few different areas he could go. Uh, but right now, even this profile is fine. Walks, crazy speed. We'll still run into some homers and great defense at shortstop. Yeah, I, lo- I love that profile. And it's a yeah. safe one. Like, this is a high-floor 20-year-old yeah. kid. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, because it just never fails. And I, I swear this wasn't even intentional. You know who number 11 is. And these guys, we've always talked about it. They're going to be, like, side by side. I, you probably don't even believe me. It really wasn't intentional. 11 is Marcelo Meyer, shortstop, Boston Red Sox. And – the Meyer versus Lawler debate is one that we're always going to have. Um, I know you like Lawler more. I've gone through my ebbs and flows. Uh, I'll tell you what kind of put me in the final moments with Meyer ahead of Lawler. It's funny because like I didn't really think about it any like any specific way of pitting those two guys against each other. Like just going through the rankings, and I was like, oh, man, it looks like this is how this is going to shake out. Um, for me with Meyer, you, you can see the offensive potential. There's more, I think, more power projection there for Meyer. Um, with his frame uh, and with that swing from the left side. 
Uh, obviously not the athlete that Lawler is, but Myers' defense is what wowed me. I w- like he is so good defensively, so smooth. Already looks like he's big league ready with the glove. The arm is plus. The actions are silky. Even though he's not the twitchiest of athletes, he moves his feet, gets himself into group, like comfortable spots to make plays, makes throws from all different angles. He is so 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 smooth. And then that left-handed swing. There's more whiff with with Meyer, I think, than people expected too. But at the end of the day, I see some some exciting power potential here. It's a 6'3", 185, 190-pound guy with a swing that you know is geared for for pull side power, but also has he has the ability to spray the ball over the field with authority. Uh, My, Meyer could be a special talent, left-handed hitting shortstop with some power and plus defense. That's another profile. Sign me up. I, I kind of consider them the same guy in terms of like what they did last year. Cause I walked through Lawler's numbers like 300, 400, 500. He was above all of those. Um, Meyer last year, 280, 399, 489. So just below all of them, but in much tougher hitter environments yeah. than what Lawler is in. So I consider that a wash. The, the thing that I sided with Lawler on, and I still side with Lawler on is I do think he's a better defender than Meyer, but if you are buying the stock in his defense, uh, you had you had Lawler as a 70 and 70 future field guy. You've got Meyer as a 55-65 field guy. Um, if you're buying that, like I can totally see Meyer being a better hitter, and we've talked about this a lot. I'll bring it up again. I think it's a war WRC plus thing. I think that at the end of their careers, Marcelo Meyer will have a better WRC plus he'll be a better offensive player than Jordan Lawler but I think Lawler will be a better war accumulator yeah well he might steal 40 bags um you know he might he might lead the league in triples like there's a lot of ways that that Lawler can impact the game I think there's definitely a little bit of pressure on Myers bat to accumulate that war so I agree I think Meyer defensively though like right now is more big league ready so the interesting part is, though, with Lawler's twitch, with his ability, with his uh, athleticism, maybe Lawler ends up being the better defender when it's all said and done. But right now, Meyer looks like he's been playing shortstop professionally for, for eight years. It is pretty awesome to see. But that that can always change when you have the skill set that Lawler has. So I love how fluid this is always going to be because we might be revisiting this in eight years when they're in the big leagues and still being unsure of who is who is where. Um I like the floor of of Myers' glove, and I actually like the floor of Lawler's bat, believe it or not, because of the approach and the speed. Uh, and, and I think the bat-to-ball skills are slightly better. So it, it is a really interesting, really, really interesting comparison. You talk about the power. Meyer hits the ball harder, like point blank. 104 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity last year. That's three notches above. And this year he's been hitting the ball I think even harder than that. Um, so that's the thing that you can see like big time power potential possibly here w- with Marcelo Meyer, which I think is what sets him apart just a little bit more too um, as a left-handed hitting power bat with the glove that I'm already ready for at the big league level. Like that just edges out Lauer, uh, who is, you know, very dependent on the athleticism to, to, to you know, make him a, a productive player. Yeah, I can see it. I just disagree. I think I've made this comp before on the show, but um I, I had a bet that Derrick Henry was going to be a better running back than Kenyon Drake when they were at Alabama um, with 
like it's funny like we laugh in hindsight right because (laughs) Derrick Henry is MVP caliber but at Alabama it looked like Kenyon Drake and and Henry were probably no I know like Drake was the third down running back and he was the kick return like he looked good so I feel like that is the Meyer Lawler thing right now like they could separate like Henry and Kenyon Drake they could separate like Floyd and Golden Tate who were the wideouts at Notre Dame that looked like the exact same right but they could also be in lockstep it's the Andrew Luck Robert Griffin thing and I think there's a good chance they could be in lockstep um the the last thing I'll I'll say on Meyer is that um, I, I think the glove might might be like special. Um, so I'm excited to see how that continues to go. So uh, there's no wrong answer. It's really fun, and it should be a fun year for these guys. I think to to kind of push their way and expedite those timelines to the big league level. It is worth noting that Lawler's you know had some success at Double A though. That does hold some weight even in a more hitter friendly environment. Well. Meyer's mostly been in, in high A so far uh, you know, to his professional career. A guy that has leapfrogged both of them in my eyes, despite you know being a high school dude and also you know not really having much more experience than them and putting up crazy offensive numbers is, is Evan Carter, outfielder, Texas Rangers. And I know we are the high guys on Evan Carter. Uh, and I don't, I don't know where Prospectus or anyone else has him, but I don't think anyone else has him as a top 10 guy. Carter has just I, I've talked about him through the offseason and then he has exceeded our expectations this year. I mean, you could pull up the numbers right now. What he's doing in double A is just comical. Carter is as safe of a profile as you are going to find. We're talking about above average to plus field to hit. I think I have a plus hit tool for him uh, at 20 years old, plus speed in center field, good defender and above average power. The, the EVs are getting stronger and stronger, but he taps into the power in games. I think it's probably average now, above average potential, but he's got room to add muscle. And the numbers are just comical at every stop so far as a guy that was drafted out of high school. I know you love him. Like you are the high guy on Evan Carter. And I understand it after diving into what he has done. Right. I mean, like second round pick 2020 um, pipeline has him in the 40s. Like you are so far and away the high man on him. And, and when you first did that, I was like, okay, is this, is this arm trying to be edgy? But then I watched, I was like, this guy is a freak show. I mean, he is like, I don't want to throw the Y word on him. Like, but it feels like a young Yelich, right? This is a, this is a big lanky bat that gets the most out of his frame and hits the crap out of the ball and is a good base stealer. He's so fascinating. And you mentioned like the numbers this year are crazy in double A with Frisco. He's 20 years old in double A and he's hitting 340 with a 500 OBP in 18 games. He's walked 21 times. He struck out 15 times in 92 plate appearances. As a 20 year old in double A. We're talking about how how Lawler's fighting to, you know, put it all together in double A as he's making the adjustment. And Evan Carter's like yawning. This guy's he did it at the beginning at the end of last year, too. We got you got we got six games of Evan Carter last year in double. He had 429. And then he's done this for 18 games this year. In double A so far, 24 games. He's driven in 27 runs. He's walked 26 times. He struck out 21 times. When you have more RBIs and walks than you do strikeouts, you're doing something exceptional. And that's what Evan Carter does, man. Across all levels, right? He was in low A and he struggled a little bit in 2021, 22. He was great. And so far in 23, 
This guy's hitting 290 with a 420 OBP. He's got 18 homers and 105 driven in in 156 games. So look at it as a full season sample. I'm taking this. And the reason why I put him so high is, is when I really want to put a guy into that top 10, top 15 range, I, I highlight all the things I like. And then I go, okay, what can I, what can I weigh him down with? Like what, what's the case against him? Uh, almost a pros and cons list. And I tried to poke a hole in Evan Carter's game for like weeks. I really couldn't. The only hole you could remotely poke is that he had a 750 OPS against lefties last year with equal strikeout to walk ratio. (laughs) So like, oh no, that's the worst thing you got. Like 85% zone contact, already above average exit velocities with projection for more. I love the swing. I love the skill set. The jumps in center are great. The speed is good. You highlighted all of all of the things that that stand out to you. I agree with all those things. The approach is phenomenal. Twenty percent chase rate. You cannot poke a hole in this dude's game. And an, another high end makeup guy. Um, just just a really 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 good talent uh, that I think is tools across the board. Yeah. I, another dude that's going to be candidate for. I think top prospect in baseball, but I, I think he's going to debut too quickly to, to who, really be able to be that. Who is your bet for minor league hitter of the year? Is Soderstrom? Soderstrom. Is Carter the, is he the runner up? Yeah. <laughs> he might win that thing, man. Yeah. He's got four bumps already. And I know it's a Texas league, but it doesn't really matter when you walk more than you strike out and you do what he's doing. Um, this dude might force his way up to a debut this year. Dude. I mean, they want to win now. They're playing pretty well. He has not blinked at any stops. If he does this for another month, why wouldn't you bump him to triple? What's he doing down there? So if he does this for another month, you're bumping him to triple. If he lights up triple, you might as well. Oy. That would be crazy. I'm just saying don't rule it out. That'd be crazy. Number nine, right-handed pitching prospect, Philadelphia Phillies, Andrew Painter. Sucks. That he's on the shelf right now because Andrew Painter, I think, could have easily been, might have been, the number one pitching prospect in baseball. Uh, we're going to talk about all all three right now. Uh, but Painter, six foot seven, seventy grade fastball, seventy grade slider, sixty grade curveball, fifty five grade changeup, and fifty to sixty grade command. That sounds like one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, and that's because his upside is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Unfortunately, on the shelf right now with a sprained UCL. Uh, they said they're going to have him pitch through it. Uh, you know, obviously we're waiting to see when that will be. Um, I assume he got a PRP injection or something like that. Generally, you got to take some time off after the injection. I assume that's why he's on the 60 day, uh, but he's going to throw this here. So we'll see what that looks like. Um, and it's always a little unsettling when you, you know, you have that you know, partial tear and he's pitching through it. But when he's on the mound, this guy's one of the most talented pitching prospects in the game. And we've talked about him on here for a long time before he was even really like getting the hype. Because when you see a six, seven righty command their stuff like that, which we're going to talk about one other guy that does that, um, you got to realize that something's happening that you don't see very often. Yeah, I am. um, I don't have much to add at all. The 60 day kind of, worries me i guess but they also probably know what they're doing and they're just like hey you know take two months off like 60 day you think season ender yeah Um, it does sound like that but like if they did it if it's retroactive of like if it's opening day like he's back on june one he can be back on june one so like i think it was just like we're gonna take our time anyways might as well yeah so don't worry about it i 
I'm a little nervous because the way that things were worded regarding Painter feels like they're kicking the can. Yeah. I, I don't want them to kick the can down the road on a you know 19-year-old, 20-year-old, and, and arguably the top pitching prospect in the game. Um, I have nothing to add on last year. Like, he was the best pitcher in minor league baseball last year. He was so much fun to watch. We've talked about how mechanically sound he is snapping off the slider and the breaker and like the feel for the changeup. And the fastball is great because he's six, seven, two twenty, and throws it at a hundred. Like I don't, he is, he's road to the show. Build me the perfect pitcher play on rookie mode. Like that's what Andrew Painter is. I think last year, 70% strike rate on the fastball. Phenomenal. When you got a fastball of that quality, um, 66% strike rate on the slider. Phenomenal. 69% strike rate on the changeup. That's fantastic. So, and I know he didn't throw the changeup that much, but it shows you that he can throw it more. And he threw it more as he climbed up the minor leagues. And that was the cool thing too, is we saw him just get better and better as he climbed and, and get more advanced with the, with his pitch usage as he climbed. Hey, I can't just ride the fastball slider all the time. I got to sprinkle in, you know, a handful of changeups every start. And he did that. And the changeup was damn good. Um, it's plus command potentially. And when you got plus command of, of those four offerings, you, you got a very special talent here. Hopefully he comes back healthy, but um, painter is, <laughs> I, I, I really like, it's hard to believe that we have two, six, seven righties who command the hell out of three to four pitches right now, because I'd be saying, you don't see this. And now we've got two of them that we're going to talk about in this episode, which is so crazy because you don't see this. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. Uh, but some for some weird reason in the Matrix, we've got two right now. Um, I think we'll we're in the golden other. age of pitching prospects, folks. It seems like it, even though people don't like pitching prospects for the exact reason to why Andrew Painter is on the shelf right now. Yes. Brett Beatty, number eight. And this was another one. I know no one's got him higher. Um, and he's off to quite a nice start, I believe, to, to his big league season now that he got promoted. This is a dude that we were pounding the desks, you know, like bring up Brett Beatty. Like you're, you're wasting his time in AAA, where in nine games he hit 400, 500, 886 with five home runs. <laughs> um, so far in the big leagues this year, he's played 10 games, 333, 394, 467. The reason why Brett Beatty is number eight before I kick it over to you, Jack, is above average hit tool, 70 grade raw power, and finally getting into that 70 grade raw power in games by lifting the ball is pretty much put the ground ball rate issue to bed. The approach is fantastic. And the the defense, that was the one question. How's the glove going to be at third? He answered it. It's good. Yeah. It's 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 not even not only usable there, it's good. So th- this is another guy. I dare you to poke a hole in his game. You can't. Um, I have very few pieces of information to add. Um, he is the third baseman for the New York Mets for the foreseeable future. Uh, I think this is a building block. And while you have big money committed to a lot of guys for the immediate future and decent sized money committed to Jeff McNeil, um, and, you know, like you've got Nimmo for what, eight years. You've got McNeil for five, Verlander and Scherzer for the next two, uh, Lindor for the next 12. You're going to, you know, extend Alonzo. Like that's a lot of free agent money. That's a lot of open years that you're paying for. So find me some pre-arb guys. And Beatty's going to be the best of the bunch in pre-arb and arbitration. I don't think that they're going to do the pre-arb extension thing. Um what I think they're going to do is they're going to really enjoy these six years 
that they've got Beatty under team control and then they'll figure it out uh, years seven beyond. So I, I think that Ye- Beatty, you know, is the guy for them at third base moving forward. The other thing is prospectus is starting to kind of piss me off because they are the only other outlet that has them in the top 20. Dude, what's going on? I don't know. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> That's so weird. Oh, God. But that I guess they're looking at a lot of the same stuff we are. The guy that hits the snot out of the ball and, and puts it in the air. Uh, the thing with Beatty is the power. Like I, I feel like people still sleep on the power. This dude hit a 112 mile per hour opposite field home run. You know year. why? Because he's the third marquee power prospect at every level that he's been at. You know what I mean? Because like he's climbing with Alvarez and Vientos. Yeah. And, and it's those like, are the oh, power Mark, guys. Yeah. Like Mark Vientos is the power guy. Like he's the power hitting prospect. And Alvarez is a catcher that mashes. And then Beatty's like really well, good at a play. bunch of other things. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, yeah, you're not the power guy. By the way, Vientos, eight homers, 367, 450, 733 so far this year. He's hitting the shit out of the ball, man. With a like, 21% carry rate. Like, free my dog. He's 23. Free like, my dog. Just let him go play somewhere else. Trade him. Like, just just, just get my guy up there. Like, I want to see what he can do at the big league level with consistent at-bats. For sure. James Wood, number seven. Outfielder, Washington Nationals. One of the key pieces in that Juan Soto package. Cool clip the other day that uh, I put out um, that I saw from the Wilmington account uh, where he's playing currently in high A uh, that there were some opposing fans chanting overrated at James Wood, which is funny because it's hard to be overrated when you have legitimately put up the most ridiculous numbers at every stop, probably just trolling. And he hits a bomb, pimps it, and and you could see the energy, how pumped up he was. Uh, Wood Wood is – Another one of those guys which is like, you don't see this. 6'7", 220 pounds, can play center field, above average speed to plus speed, and a way better field to hit than you'd expect. Like, this is a dude that I think as he as he progresses, will have a 55-grade hit tool. Like, it really is that solid. 85% zone contact last year at low A, 80% zone contact so far this year in high A. Um, and then the power, you know, is – the bench potential to be top of the line um, as he's six seven two thirty and hits the crap out of the ball. Uh, James Woods' upside is best player in baseball. Uh, obviously, there's a, a ton of risk that comes with this profile, but I think given the profile, he has done every single thing possible to hedge any of the perceived risk with the ability to stick in center field, a pretty good approach, way better bats of ball skills than you'd expect. Like this is the safest six seven center fielder I've seen. That's a weird line. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, why I said it. This is one of the only six, seven center fielders that you've seen, but we've got Spencer Jones and you're really high on Spencer Jones and we've got Aaron judge. And obviously he was not this safe. Aaron judge was not no, this safe. No, not at all, which is crazy. And like wood does it. John Mayberry different. was not this safe. No, hell no. I mean, wood does it in a different way. Wood is like much lower K rate than judge. Like wood is, you mentioned the field of hit, like he had 310. Like, I don't think people ever dreamed on Judge hitting 310 in a major league season. Like last year was like, oh my God. Obviously, 62 is the most impressive thing, but I was borderline as impressed that he hit well over 300 yeah. last year because like Judge is crazy. But 
Wood, yeah, I mean, Wood's ceiling is Aaron Judge with less yep. swing and miss, which is a scary, scary sight. <laughs> best player in baseball. By far the best player in baseball, as long as Otani's retired. Um, yeah, man, I mean, the, the chirping of James Wood, this <laughs> is like the one guy that I wouldn't chirp. He's 6'7", 220. He, he seems like a really nice kid. Yeah. But, like, just seeing this frame – I'm like, I'm not, I'm not baiting that motherfucker once. No, no. 20 years old too, like putting up good numbers in high A already. Um, 10% swinging strike rate when you are that long is pretty remarkable. The way he uses his long levers to generate power, but, you know, again, not have it come at the expense of, of his consistent contact. And it's foul pull to foul pull. Like he will go oppo with ease. And then when he turns one around pull side, it, you just, you know, take a step back and just watch it fly. Um, this is a really special talent, and I think he's going to stick in center field. So you got that on top of it, too. Uh, James, James Wood is, as I think, as much upside as, you know, besides Ellie De La Cruz, I'd say it's the highest upside in baseball. So cool. Next up, G-Rod, who is pretty much graduated. By the time we finish this, he's graduated. Um, but, man, he's settling in. At the big league level, Grayson Rodriguez looking like the ace of the Orioles, like we suspected, uh, which is which is great and terrible at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, G-Rod's last couple starts have been really strong. He looks like he's really kind of finding that again. Um, already 24 big league innings, 24 and a thirds. Uh, but yeah, it was it was pretty much a shoe in for him to be best pitching prospect in baseball over the last couple of years um, dealt with a little bit of an injury last year. And then the stuff took a little bit of time to get back. It's all the way back, but then the command wasn't totally, totally back. Now that seems to be all the way back and he's all the way back to being G rod again, which is a guy with four plus pitches and good command, <laughs> which is, you know, one of the better pitchers in the game. If it all comes together at the highest level, he's such a freak, bro. Like, He's he's crazy. That's that's all I have to say about Grayson Rodriguez, man. I mean, he he's punching out thirteen per nine last year between you know a rehab start in Aberdeen, but then you got two starts in Bowie and, and fourteen in Norfolk. Five starts, he's got twelve and a half punch outs per nine in the major league level. In the major leagues, in the major leagues, like he he was striking out dudes in the minor leagues. I don't think anybody doubted that he was going to strike out dudes at the major league level, and here he is striking out dudes at the major league level. He's walking more guys than I was expecting him to, but also I kind of expected it because it's the first five starts of his big league career, and he's probably nibbling a little bit. Yeah, and, and that changeup, it's it's potentially an 80-grade pitch. It's a 70-slash-80-grade pitch. And we're seeing that in the big league level. Like He's throwing them already plenty. Yeah. No one's really hitting them. Uh, 492 opponent OPS against the changeup since he debuted. And he's landing it for a strike nearly 70% of the time. Chase rate nearly 40%. That's an elite pitch. Fastball is getting a ton of chase, plenty of whiff. Uh, the one part that's been missing for him in the early going is the slider. The command of the slider hasn't been there. Um, but that said, like he's getting outs despite that. And I think he's going to keep settling in. Last two starts, a combined 10 innings, no runs, four walks, 15 Ks, seven hits. Um, I think we got to start getting used to that. <laughs> Uh, Grayson Rodriguez is easily, I think, the best pitching prospect in baseball. It's him and Yuri. What ended up separating Yuri was that I said, okay, Yuri's got three years to get here, which we'll talk about in a second here. Like, I think Yuri's going to get here in three years. They have a similar pitch mix um, and a similar way that they like to attack hitters. And 
I think I think Yuri should be looking at Grayson as as a template in, in some way because Grayson's showing that it can work and it's translating at the highest level. He's he, I mean these are two guys that are going to be problems in the major leagues for a long time and uh, it's been fun to see Grayson kind of put it all together. But I I think Yuri should point at G Rod and say like I see what you're doing. I'm going to one up you. Yeah. And and I think that's what he can do. We'll get to him in a second here. We have a position player in between. Jackson Chorio, number five, Milwaukee Brewers. Outfielder, center fielder, I should say. He's going to stick there, and he's going to play a high level of it. Um, a guy that's the youngest player in all of AA, first of all. Second of all, he's dealing with the Southern League tacked baseballs as well. Uh, and for a guy that has some whiff concerns in the early going, like that definitely makes a difference. Um, Chorio had a couple games in the early going that just really caught my attention, including a two home run game against the Pensacola Blue Wahoos where he hits a walk off laser beam that left the yard in about half a second to be 19 years old and have the success that he's had in high a, and now to even be holding his own in double a is, is really rare and really special. Uh, a guy that I was a little bit hesitant on to like immediately shoot up the ranks. But as I started to see what his body does in the box, the way he's able to use his lower half and get into his back hip, the velocities that he's already putting up exit velocity wise, already putting up one tens as a 19 year old in double a, um, the speed is plus plus there's some risk obviously, but man, this, <laughs> this skill set is otherworldly. March 11th, 2004. <laughs> I feel like I would remember something that happened on March 11th, 2004. And this guy is playing for the Biloxi Shuckers at MGM Park. Uh, no, I mean, dude, I I pushed back on like the initial Kool-Aid on Chorio. Me too. Um, but Chorio, I think now the number one prospect in baseball, according to Baseball America, with a couple of graduations. Mm-hmm. So like best prospect in the game okay, I'll still probably push back a little bit because, again, he's 19 years old. Um, 99 games last year, he OPSed under 900. I I think a a guy that, like, we're willing to tab is that. I want to see him over 900 in the OPS department, but I can understand what you're dreaming on because he's 18 years old. You just never see that. That, (laughs) Never see an 18-year-old in IA. That's the thing, yeah. So that was the case. But at the same time, yeah, like, I want to see that that – elite elite level production uh and and maybe if they left him in low a and he put up he hit 400 like maybe maybe it would be a little bit more palatable but no i I like how they challenged him and i like how he responded to those challenges but still very aggressive uh 36 chase rate uh but the the contact rates are better than i thought they would be so you know that definitely made me more willing to bump him up to like five um but yeah, I want to see a little bit more too. Um, I want to see him. The thing is, is if he has a, a meh year, which I don't think he will, he'll have a good year. But if he has a meh year, okay, he does double again. He's twenty. <laughs> yeah, he's still young for the level. You, you poor um, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what really stood out to me was the athleticism in the box. The the bat speed is ridiculous. Um, and you figure he's only going to get better with the approach. Uh, this dude could be a walking 30-30 threat with good defense in center field. That's a problem. Like that's a special, special player. Um, so I'm excited to keep following Chorio, see what he's going to do, but that approach will have to improve a little bit. He's just swinging too much, but that happens. And the fact that he's swinging too much and still hitting the ball uh, in double a is a testament to what he's capable of, but 
he loves fastballs and he's got to chill a little bit on the fastballs and he's been struggling with heaters a little bit this year. So that is something to monitor. Yeah, but I don't want him chilling, man. He's 19 years old, double leg. If he, if he sees a heater that he wants to punish, go do it. I think he, that's the instruction he's getting because he's swinging at 53% of them and he's chasing 48% of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got Yuri Perez, number four, Miami Marlins. And Yuri is another guy that's his second stint in double A. He should probably go to triple soon. Six foot eight, 210 pounds, maybe 220 now. Uh, off to this pretty solid start after a rough spring. Marlins were aggressive. I think they literally wanted to say, like, force us to put you in the rotation, and he didn't. It's okay. Um, four pitches, fastball plus plus. I, I'd say it's plus right now because of his uh, struggles to to locate it. He leaves it over the middle a bit too much. That's the command versus control thing. But slider plus, change up plus plus, curveball above average, command plus. Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me the hell up. Uh, the, the one thing with, with Yuri, really the only hole you can poke is that he misses middle too much with the fastball, and the shape could be slightly better. But when you sit 97 and a half miles an hour with it, like you can get away with not the best shape. If he can find a bit more shape, that would be great. Because remember, he is using the tax balls. So I am worried that you know when when he's using a different baseball if that sh- if it's going to be a little dead zoney a little bit hunter green esque uh fastball shape wise that's my only 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 concern with Yuri Perez the command of four big league pitches is remarkable the changeup is disgusting the slider is gross and the command in general for a player of his size is just special that's the thing. So even if it is Hunter Greeny where it's 100 but dead zoning, um, it's coming from a tougher slot because he's so tall and so lanky and he's so much longer than Hunter Green. And he also, instead of one secondary pitch, has three. three. The changeup's elite. And I actually feel better about the changeup being the best secondary than a slider being the best secondary because changeups mesh well with fastballs, Right. A changeup can look like a fastball until the very end, especially these high-speed changeups that Marlins pitchers are throwing versus green. I think he's run into some trouble because the fastball you'll hit, the slider you can read spin directly out of his hand, and while it is good, guys can spit. A changeup, guys can't really spit at. No, especially when it's 91. (laughs) Right, exactly. Like, it's on you so quick, you got to make a fastball-type decision on it, and I think that you can get away with, a hundred dead zone. And what I love about him is, you know, watching, watching the starts, like he'll go to the slider and any count will go to the changeup and any count will go love to the curveball and any count. But if that fastball, if the shape can just improve a little bit, I mean, the, the upside is, is so comical, like it's best pitcher in baseball upside. So that's the one thing to monitor. Um, I'd say he's almost too much around the zone. And the only way that Yuri Perez gets beat is the fastball gets ambushed. That's yep. it. Like you could tell these hitters, they're like, you're not going to hit the 91 mile an hour changeup. You're not going to hit that slider. It's gross too. ambush the fastball and, and try to catch it. And guys can do that. Good hitters have done that. Um, and that's how he's been burned from time to time. Um, I saw Blake hunt do it. Who's really struggles with velocity. So when, when you see like Blake hunt catching prospect with the rays who whiffs a ton, hit one out, off of him, I'm like, all right, that's pure cheat 
ambush. He can use that back into his favor. But, you know, like a lot of the guys that went yard on him last year were really talented hitters that ambushed him. Joey Weimer hit a bomb off of him last year. Trey Cabbage nuke off of him last year. Uh, Brett Wisely home run like the more advanced and 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 just smarter hitters that don't miss a fastball were the ones that got him and i think that's the one thing that's kind of separating him from being close to big league ready that's why i want to see him in triple a sap see how that how that goes see how he can continue to to control the fastball on both sides of the plate potentially tweak the shape a little bit because the rest of his arsenal is front line the rest of his arsenal is ace and the command is ace the the profile in terms of the release point, he's basically reaching six feet closer to home plate. Ace. This is this is to me the best pitching prospect in baseball based on that. He's got three years to get where Grayson Rodriguez is. And that that's kind of nuts. Sandy, Yuri Perez, Lazardo, Cabrera, Max Meyer. Holy that's shit. Insane. And that's and I think there's a legit case that Jake Eater could could leapfrog Max Meyer. Yeah. I mean, you've got Eater, you've got Dax Fulton as well. Like there are gluttony of riches keep convert trying to convert that into into uh you know more bats that's all i can say there <laughs> if you're the marlins like dad uh, not yuri obviously but eater or meyer i'd be shipping out of town yeah. at some point this year with all with all they have over there number three anthony volpe another guy set to graduate very soon with the new york yankees shortstop someone that they really need to, to help them um and we got we got a little video here of what he does best lift the ball in the air when he was drafted he was viewed as a well below average power guy then he hit 27 home runs then he hit 21 more the next year he is you know exit velocity wise slightly above average but squeezes out every ounce of his raw power by hitting the ball in the air as much as any human um one of the rare game power higher grade than raw power guys you're gonna find um but i mean Tools across the board, you can see it. And I think this kind of embodies what makes him so good. Hit tool 55 slash 60. Raw power 50 slash 55. Game power 55 slash 60. Run 55 55. But you could really put 60 because of how good he is of a base dealer. Run yeah. times are 55, but he's a, a, an elite base dealer. Field 50 55 future. That is a dynamic, talented, well rounded shortstop who I think the Yankees are going to build around and the number three prospect in baseball. So Volpe has played, I think, every game of his big league career to this point, right? What's what's the Yankees record? Because he's played 29 games. The Yankees are 15 and 14. He's played in all 29 games for the New York Yankees. So they clearly were not auditioning him. It was, you're the shortstop of the Yankees for the next decade. And like, here's, you know, Here's game one, opening day, like off you go. Um, yeah, like Volpe, he's finally starting to heat up a little bit, but, you know, the batting average still isn't where people want it. Um, he is the king of, you know, that new school leadoff that we've been talking about, right? That Volt lead, that momentum lead. He, he learned at Del Barton when he was in high school. Um, Volpe, do you, like, do you think that he's going to capitalize with the short porches a bit more? Oh, yeah. He, he's showing like next to no power right now, 340. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. I'm really not. Like, I think that it'll, it'll translate. Okay. Like this is a dude that hits the ball in the air and generates carry like none other. And if you look at like a chart last year of, of if he, if he played his games in Yankee stadium, I think he would have had like 30 homers. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, I, like, I, I'm not worried about it. I really think that the way he is able to hit the ball in the air, he had a 29% ground ball right last year. And so yeah. far this year, it's at 35, 34. And at um, Yankee Stadium, like, that's perfect. That's that perfect. perfect and, and, again, like, this is a dude that is 21, now just turned 22, getting acclimated to being the everyday shortstop for the New York Yankees. The approach has been great. The power is going to come. I really think it's going to come. Uh, and and I'm, I'm looking forward to it because when that happens, I think he's going to be a 20 home run guy, 40 bags with good defense at short. Like even if he's a 260 hitter, which I, I, I don't think he'll be, I think he'll be better than that. But even if he is a 260 hitter, that's a really damn good player. Yeah. So Yankees have their guy and I would not be worried about Volpe's slightly slow start. He's going to make great swing decisions. He's going to impact the game in a million other ways. He's already walking a ton. The power is going to come. Yes. Number two, a guy that we were ready to talk about because of his whole scenario. We got Jordan Walker, outfielder, St. Louis Cardinals. This is a uh, unique situation here, right? Because they option him despite you know the, the hitting streak to start his big league career, everything we've seen from him. Um, it it was a slower 10 games or so uh, on the back half of his 20 game big league debut. Um, but again, like we were talking about it, if you're going to call him up, like let him work through things. What happened, we talked about this on the just baseball show is Jordan Walker ends up, you know, being part of a team that is severely underwhelming and underperforming. And it had nothing to do with him and maybe very small part to do with his defense in the outfield, which we knew was going to be a little bit shaky, but it wasn't like he wasn't hitting, you know, holding up his end of the bargain hitting wise. He was a one-on-one WRC plus again, it kind of tapered off towards the back end there, but this was a Cardinals team that I think felt like, Hey, Walker's not hitting for power. I think he's a little bit in fight or flight mode as a hitter, just trying to put the ball in play. We don't want to see that bad habit start to develop. I think Walker was pressing to try to help a Cardinals team that was struggling. And the Cardinals felt like, Hey, we, we need to put our best foot forward here. And we don't want to compromise Walker's long-term development. Cause he was looking like he was just trying to put them all in play. Like he was fully in fight or flight mode as a hitter. I want to see him leveraging hitters counts and swinging for the fences. A swings all the time. That's what Jordan Walker is. It's 35, 40 home runs. That's what you want. And he yeah. wasn't that he was trying to just put the ball in play. He was struggling defensively. And I can understand why the Cardinals did it. But again, we talked about it on the Just Baseball show. Screamed, reeked of desperation, reeked of panic. He should have been in a spot where he can work through these things. It wasn't like he was a disaster. Uh, he should have had the time to continue to get the at-bats without worrying about being sent down. Yeah, so, like something was going to have to change because a 70 raw power guy and a 70 future game power guy that you have on, on Walker was slugging under 400. Like, yes, he was hitting 280 even with the slump, but we need this guy to slug. Like, the Cardinals need this guy to slug. That's his value, being a guy that can hit 50 home runs in a season at some point in his big league career. And that's what that was not what he was looking like. No. So you got to make a change. It was the wrong change. Um, and again, we talked about this on the Just Baseball show. Like, he shouldn't have made this club on opening day. No, not 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 if you were going to send him down based on this start. Like and this is like the 50th percentile outcome start for yeah, him. This was like kind of like the status quo of a very talented young rookie uh, with big power and, you know, a fringy hit tool. 
Like th- this is exactly what we would have expected. Uh, like what were they expecting him to just, just go off and hit 30 home runs? Like I, this was a fine start to a big league career for a talented young rookie. I don't, I don't understand. And we don't have to know the example. And like, we surely don't know um, what was said to Jordan Walker at points, like in this call up process. Um, what we did see was the viral video of, you know, like, Hey, you're going to the big leagues, man. Um, dude, like, I don't know. They had to tell him, Hey, don't have your confidence be thrown if we option you at yeah. some point. No, I, I, I'm sure. And, and he's a high. Said done. way easier said than done. Yeah, he's a high, high end makeup guy. I, I'm not too worried about like I think like he he's he seems like a very confident player. He homered in his first game back in triple A, I think. 60 percent ground ball rates, what speaks to me, though, it's a 15 percent jump from what he did last year. Um, and that was already a little high for what what I like to see from a power guy. Again, that's a guy that's just trying to put the ball in play. He's like, I'm I'm faster than people think. Like, I can put the ball in play hard and 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 get hits and stay in the lineup and, and be valuable. Yeah. Screw that. I want you hitting bombs. That's what you do, especially when you're not playing providing value defensively. Obviously, we, we knew it was going to take some time to get get better out there. So I am, and that's why I wanted him in triple. It's like not to have to worry about learning big league outfield and, and just outfield in general while learning how to hit at that big league level. So he's gonna get more reps in the outfield. Uh, he's going to get back to backsiding balls and hitting them in the air like he does uh, and like he's capable of doing. And then he'll, he'll rejoin them, I think, in, in a month or two with, uh, you know, kind of rejuvenated, fixing some of those issues and, and hopefully be you know, ready to help again. That's the thing. It's like it's not like, oh, bye. See you next year. Like, I think this is just like go work on some specific things. We'd rather you not work through them right now at the big league level. Cause we want to win and we don't want to put you in a scenario where it's hard to, to actually work on things. Cause you want to win games. Yes. Um, so I understand it from that perspective, but again, it's like, what were they expecting here? So, I don't know. Um, you know, 20 years old, he's going to, he's going to work through it and he's going to be back and, and he's going to look a lot better. And I think the second sin of Jordan Walker, we get this year is going to be a force. And we ran into this problem last week. We were very negative about MLB guys that were struggling a little bit, right. Or like high, upper level minor guys that were struggling a little bit. So let's end the Walker thing by saying something really nice about Jordan Walker. This guy is the most prolific power hitting prospect that we've got on this top 100. And this could be Pete Alonzo level power uh-huh. that we see from Jordan Walker. And, and I think he's got the defensive skills, like the defensive tools to be a good defender. I, he's above average runner with a hose for an arm. This dude could develop into a very good right fielder. So yeah. you've got that working for him too. Like I'm excited for him to just kind of be like low pressure. You, you got up to the big leagues. Like you made it up there. You know that they're waiting for you. Like don't need to press. Do what you do and, and go off and, and keep working on the defense. And I think he's going to come up. And again, I think he's going to look really, really good once he has that second stint. It's almost like you get the taste. You, you, you learn, you figure out what you need to learn. You figure out, you know, what, what you maybe was, a, you were a little deficient in um, and, and how you can go back there and succeed. And, and I think that's going to be very helpful for him. Um, so I'm not worried about Jordan Walker, even in the slightest at all, not even 1%. I actually feel better about him than I did before the year because of what he showed us, I think on the big league level. Love it. Ellie De La Cruz made his return recently. Um, he's whiffing a little bit, but he also hit a home run that was one of the more freakish home runs I've ever seen. Um, our number one prospect in baseball is Ellie De La Cruz, switching shortstop, Cincinnati Reds. Plus, plus power, plus, plus speed. 
as a shortstop and a switch hitter. <laughs> like it, it is otherworldly stuff. We've talked about the alien that is Ellie Dole Cruz. He homered on a slider the other day. He also struck out three times. It's kind of a microcosm of, of, of what's happening right now, but he's coming off of injury, kind of getting going. He's 21 years old in AAA. He homered on a slider that was off the plate inside by two balls, and he hit it out to dead center. I've never seen that in my life. I've never seen a dude take a breaking ball off the plate in out to center field. His ability to manipulate the barrel, his ability to hit the ball out in any location and the ridiculous raw bat speed is comical. The announcer literally said a pop up to center and Elito La Cruz looked pissed. It was 107 off the bat. This dude is off the charts. One of the best athletes and talents we've seen. It all comes down to the hit tool. And we're going to have to find out. If people are looking at this list and saying, like, how is Ellie one, you know, and oh, he's struggling in triple. If O'Neill Cruz still had prospect eligibility, where would you put him on this list? Ask yourself that. I think the answer is probably one, right? If Ellie was a non-factor, if O'Neill Cruz, like based on what we've seen O'Neill Cruz do at the big league level. Yeah, probably. Like he's probably number one because we're like, this is an alien life form. And if it all clicks, he's so far and away the best player in baseball. It's not funny. That's Ellie De La Cruz, but he's a yeah. switch hitter. Like yeah. that's the only difference. O'Neill's a lefty, Cruz is a switch hitter. Like think about those guys in the same light. So you have 120s off the bat as a possibility. You've got 500 foot home runs as a possibility. You've got 40 bags as a possibility. You've got I, like, it's insane. It, it's silly. And <laughs> in great American ballpark, like fans in the first row of the outfield might be in danger. Like they might have to put netting all the way around the ballpark with how hard he hits the ball because it gets out there so fast. But like, put up an L screen in front of the pitcher's mound. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I'm talking about the ball he hits out to center field. Uh, that was two balls inside. This dude's going to miss hit baseballs out of great American ballpark all the damn time. He is going to hit so many home runs there. So yes, there is the swing and miss concern. I think he was the only minor leaguer last year to hit 300 with a 30% K rate. So he hits the ball so hard and he's so fast that he's always going to, you know, outperform the the BABIP or like what what we think his batting average would be. But if he can keep the strikeout rate around 25%, which I think he's capable of, from the left side last year, he had an 83% zone contact rate. That is great for how hard he hits the ball and how long his levers are and you know how aggressive he was. I really think a big I don't think that it's as much swing and miss as it is chase. 35% chase rate, not the best swing decisions. The zone contact hovers around 80%. When you hit the ball as hard as he does, that's more than fine. 90th percentile exit velocity last year of 108 miles an hour. We talked about the 120s being in his bag. Uh, as a switch hitter, <laughs> his upside is, is legitimately like a record setter, which yeah. is uh, enough for me. Like if you told me like you got to bet on someone to have the next 40-40 season in Major League Baseball. Him. And the last one was what Alfonso Soriano with the Nationals. I think so. It's in either him or O'Neill. I think I'd take Ellie De La Cruz over O'Neill Cruz. Who in the big leagues? Corbin Carroll. He's not hitting forty. No, he's not though. hitting forty. Like who are you taking the next major league forty forty season? Are we forgetting somebody? Acuna. That that's it. That's the best answer. Acuna is the best answer. But I would say aside from Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis. 
Who else? There have been four. Oh, uh, no, I mean, Acuna and Tatis are the two answers. Um, I shit. I'm, I'm not going to say Otani, but like Otani. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, he's not. He's like 25 bags, but he also gets caught a lot, which is. Really yeah, weird. I don't I don't see it happening. Um, there are four members of the 4040 club. Jose Canseco in 88, Barry Bonds in 96, Alex Rodriguez in 98, and Alfonso Soriano in 06. Yeah. I I would, you know, if, if you could put money on one guy not named Tatis Acuna, unless we're forgetting someone off the top, I'd put it on Ellie Doha Cruz. 2019 Acuna hit 41 and stole 37. I know. No, he he's he's the best bet. But Ellie, Ellie's probably other than Tatis and Acuna, the guy I would take. So that, I think that says a lot there. Glove keeps getting better. Hands are a little bit firm at times, but the arm is comical and, and he will be a fine defender there too. Yeah. That'll do it for the top 100. We've wrapped it up. So we've got a lot more to talk about in terms of just keeping up with the, the minor leagues in general. Uh, we'll get right back to kind of our regular schedule of keeping you updated on what's going on, player interviews, all that good stuff. Hope you enjoyed the top 100 rundown. A reminder, you can always go check the list at justbaseball.com. Link is in the episode description. Also check out So Rare MLB, which is one of my favorite things to do right now, one of my favorite games to play. Free fantasy, uh, free to enter. You draft your team, and you can win prizes. You can win tickets. You can win merchandise. You can win a bunch of other things. You can win money. Um, it's very, very fun. Go check that out. Link is in our description. Uh, let's them know that we sent you. Jack, any final thoughts on the top 100 list and on these guys we talked about today? There's going to be an, a whole bunch of additions because we're going to graduate guys now. Yeah, so and we'll, we'll keep updating everybody on when we do that off the top of episodes and then, you know, get into everything else. Yeah, but no, I mean, great list, Arm. Like, golf clap for you. I mean, more than a golf clap, real clap for Arm. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll graduate guys and slap them on the back end and we'll talk about those guys as they come on. Thank you, sir. And looking forward to talking prospects with you all tomorrow. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.